Thank you, Brother Terry. <clears throat> Thank you, choir. Thank you, praise team, and all of you for taking part in our worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Psalms. Psalms, Division 90. Psalms 90. We want to look at verses 1 through 12. I want to share a sermon that, uh, that I've just entitled, Death Rehearsal. Death Rehearsal. Um, and I'll share more about that title as time goes on. Psalm 90. And we want to look at verses 1 through 12. Our main text will be f verses 5 and 6 and verse 12. But we want to look at those first 12 verses. Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them around like a flood. Like a they are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and it withers. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only in labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity now to share your word. Thank you for our time of worship, and I pray, Lord, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart was acceptable to you, O Lord, our God, our strength, and our Savior. Speak to our hearts now. Give me the words to share, the right spirit to say them in, and allow your Holy Spirit to move from person to person. And Father, we know and claim your promise that when your word goes forth, it will not return void. It will accomplish what your intentions are. Thank you for this time that we've had together. Speak to our hearts now through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Next to the book of Job, Psalm 90 most likely is the oldest piece of writing in the Bible. It may have been written by Moses in the wilderness while on the way from Egypt to Canaan. The psalm stands in isolation 
as the oldest psalm in history. It stands in isolation. It stands by itself as one of the greatest psalms ever penned. It stands in isolation. It stands by itself as the first great masterpiece in the Hebrew hymn book, Psalm 90. And as you read Psalm 90 first, if you're taking notes, you'll notice the you'll notice the sovereignty of God there in verse 1 and 2. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations, and before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Speaks of the sovereignty of God. First, God is a tremendous God. God is a sovereign Lord. God is sovereign over everything. God is an awesome God. We have a tremendous God. He controls all the factors of time. He controls all the factors of space. He's an awesome God. He's a mighty God. Years ago, one of the first praise hymns we ever, ever heard went something like this. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him. What a mighty God we serve. Nothing can slip by him. He's sovereign. He's a tremendous God. In his sovereignty, he is a tremendous God. But in his sovereignty, he is a tender God. Tender God. Notice the scripture says, Lord, there in verse 1 and 2, Lord, you are our dwelling place in all generations. That word, those words, dwelling place, uh, comes to a, a Hebrew word where we get the English word den, D-E-N. God, you're our den. You're our dwelling place. You're our den, literally our den. God is our den. You know, when I was growing up, our family had this formal living room. You may have had one. You may have one now. There's nothing wrong in having a formal living room. But I remember our living room. Walked into the front door and you came into the living room. It was everything but living room. It was cold in there. I mean, it was just cold and so formal. My mother had her Victorian furniture in there. and We couldn't sit on the couch. It was green, but it was Victorian. She had her Victorian couch and she had her Victorian rocking chair and she had her Victorian chair. Nobody could sit in those either. And she had her Victorian tables, her side tables, on each end of her Victorian couch, and a Victorian coffee table, and a Victorian hutch, and everything was nice, and it was pretty. We just felt cold in there. It just was too formal in there. You know what I'm talking about? It was a room that was cold, and it was formal, and it was, it was very, very slightly used, I would say. But the den was different. We had a den, and in the den we had the TV on that rolling stand, and we had wire pliers on the top where we could change channels, if you know what I'm talking about. You know the Wilburns do. And we had the den, and that's where we had the TVs, where we had the TV trays, and we could take our, our dinner from, our supper from the kitchen table and move right into the den. It was open area there, there in the pastorum. Y'all remember, Derek? 
It was open air, so we went to the den and had a recliner in the den and had a couch you could, you could sit on and you didn't have to have your shoes pulled off to get on it. You could get it. It was a very comfortable place. It was, it was the den. It was a different type of room. That's where we hung out. It was real warm. It was real cozy. And we felt comfortable in the den. And so the point is, when Moses was writing this, he thought of God. He thought of God as a den. He thought of God as just a tender God. And Moses felt that he could really be at home when he went into the arms of God. He was his dwelling place, his den. Have a sovereign God, a tremendous God, awesome God, a tender God we can go to as our den, a dwelling place. And then we have our timeless God, verse 2. Look at verse 2. He says, God is timeless. God is from everlasting to everlasting. You see, life is brief, but God is not. He's not brief. He's, he's, God is everlasting to everlasting. God is from eternity to eternity. God is sovereign. God is tremendous. Control of all things. He's tender. He's our dwelling place, our den. He's timeless. He's eternal. He's everlasting. He's not so remote that we can't reproach, uh, that we can't approach him, or he's not so far off, and he's not cold, but he invites us to come and find your den in him. He's our den. He's our dwelling place. So you have the sovereignty of God. Then you have the sympathy of God as you read this. You know, there's a promise in God's word that unless his son returns soon, that we're all going to experience the truth of this promise. And that's death. I like the way John Phillips explained it in his book, Exploring Psalms. He says that God knows the tyranny of the tomb. The word tyranny, another synonym is the oppression. Oppression of the tomb. Drive through a cemetery, you get very oppressed, depressed. Tombstones everywhere. Think of loved ones. Think of friends. God knows the tyranny of the tomb that the tomb has over us. It has this oppression. It has this tyranny over us. And because of that, he has sympathy for us that the tomb has tyranny over us. God's Word says in, in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then he says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death. We're going to die. Is there anyone here this morning who is so naive that would say, apart from the Lord coming back for His church in the next hundred years, I'm not going to experience death. Does anyone not believe you're going to experience death if the Lord does not come back within a hundred years? Notice what verse 3 says in Psalm 90. It's interesting. He says, you turn man to destruction. You turn man to dust. But then notice what he says. You say, return. <laughs> he turns us to dust, and then he turns us from dust. Isn't that neat? That's his sympathy for us. He turns us to dust, but then he turns us from dust. My goodness. Moses says, you pronounce death to every person. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says this, Then the dust will return to earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Terry just sung a song a few minutes ago about the dust returning. 
So God can turn us to dust, but then He can turn us from dust. Therefore, there are times you and I suffer from the tyranny and the oppression of a tomb or the cemetery. But Psalm 90 verse 3, part A says, you can turn man to destruction or dust. And then Moses sees the sympathy of God in, in, in part B and says, you can return, O children of men, i.e. from dust. God has sympathy for man who suffers from the tyranny of the tomb. You say, explain that, Brother Samuel. Well, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, death has been conquered. And if you and I are numbered among those who must return to dust, and we are, then we're numbered also among those who will return from dust. And that's the sympathy that God has for us over the depression and the tyranny of the tomb or the cemetery or death. So God is sovereign. God's sovereign, tremendous and tender. He's timeless. He's sympathetic over our tyranny of the tomb, over death. But also, He's sympathetic over time. Time. You know, we think of a hundred years being a long time. We think of a thousand years. That seems like a long time. A thousand years. Did you know that America is only 247 years old? That's how old we are as a country. You know the, how the oldest country is in the world? That's Egypt. 3,100 years before Christ. Wow, that's old. And we think, you know, we think of time. God sees us hurrying through life, this lifespan, just as fast as we can go. Look at verse 10. See what he says in verse 10. He says, the days of our lives. Now look at this. Someone asked me not long ago, how long does man, does it say anything about how long man lives in the Bible? And they, they referred this verse. And, and it says, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Three score, two, four, six, and ten years. Seventy. And with due strength, 80. Really? And we hurry through life because we think we have not much time and we've got to get this done and we've got to get that done and we want to go here and we want to do that and we've got to do this. I want to finish my bucket list, I hear people say. And God has created us. Now listen, He's created us and He's engineered us for eternity. Not just a little time on earth. But He's engineered us, created us for eternity. He's given us time as we know it to do what? To prepare for eternity. No, it's not over here after 80 years. It may be over here, but time, time as we know it stops, but eternity keeps, keeps marching on, marching on. So you have the, severe, the sovereignty of God. He's a tremendous God, a tender God, a timeless God. you got the sympathy of God, the tyranny the sympathy because of the tyranny of the tomb and the sympathy because of the tyranny, the oppression of time. He knows how fast we want to go through this world. But then third, he knows the seriousness of sin. 
This is verses 7 through 12. And Moses does something in this. He goes from writing in the third person down to the first person. It's quite interesting. Look at verse 7, chapter 9, uh, division 90. He says, For we've been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we're terrified. You, the seriousness of sin. Now, if you take notes, first of all, our lives are sinful. Verse 7 and 8. He says in verse 8, You have set our iniquity before you. Don't you listen to this. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. And I looked at that. We're all sinners by nature and by choice. We're aware of that. But there's no such thing as secret sin. You're not hiding anything. Now, you may be hiding it from the preacher, or from your spouse, or from your parents, but you're not hiding anything from God. Notice what he says. He says in verse 8, Our secret sins are in the light of your countenance. Now, what you have to do here, the pronoun, our, has to be put in context to who wrote this, which is Moses, and when did he write it? Going through the wilderness. And who are the hour? It's those people that were marching through the wilderness. And so he says, he's not speaking of mankind today. He's not telling us that we only have 80 years. He was telling them three score and ten. He's telling them that. He's not telling us that. In context, he's not speaking of all mankind in general, but to those who grumbled and complained and they were cowards at Kadesh Barnea. He told them to go in. The land belonged to them. They went in. They saw the Philistines there. They came out and they said, there's giants in the land and we can't take it. They stayed 40 days. They came back and they refused to go in and take the land. And he gave them one year for every day they went in that land. So 40 years they wandered in the wilderness and because of their disbelief and trust in Him, He says, this total generation will not enter the promised land. From those who are 20 years old and up will not go into the promised land. There were 603,000 men of war in that group. And those who were 20 years and up would die and never enter the land of Canaan because of their disbelief. And they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And if a man was 20, then he died before he was 60. And if a man was 30, he died before he was 70. And if a man was 40 at that time, he died before he was 80. Four score. Now what does all that mean? For 40 years, they marched alongside of death. The entire nation lived for 40 years on death row. One by one, they died in the wilderness. The point is, life is short, said Moses. Three score and ten, 80 years at the most, y'all. That's what he told them. Life is short for us also. For them, they'd been promised four score. For us, death can come at any time. No promise. So you have the seriousness. You have the seriousness of sin. Our lives are sinful. Our lives are short. And then you have the seriousness of sin in verses 11 and 12. I'm going to close with this. John Phillips says this. He says, With every living soul, 
there comes a built-in fuse. Some fuses burn slowly. Others burn quickly. You ever seen these old westerns and they'll take a stick of dynamite and they'll light that fuse and it'll sit there and it'll just burn forever before it goes off, you know. Or maybe it'll go out before it reaches its destination. You've seen those? He said every individual is born with a fuse and it's, it's lit at birth, he says. Every birth signals a countdown. But we all seem to be indifferent to that, he says. We just roll over and go to sleep at night while the fuse burns down. Expecting to be awakened in the morning. Life on earth, listen friend, is just a dead end street. Dead end. And a lot of us, a lot of us, never think of that. You know, New Year's Eve up in the mountains, we stayed up till the New Year came in. I don't, I don't know if y'all do that or not, but we've always done it. And we count down. We count down 10 and 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year. That old year is gone. So we stayed up and we counted the old year out. The new year in. 2023 is gone. Zero time left in 2023. That morning I got up and I was reading a devotion by John Piper, and I'm going to close with it. The title of his devotion is Death Rehearsal. May God speak to you as he did to me in this. Scripture passages is Psalm 95 through 6, verse 12. He says this, For me the end of a year is like the end of my life. At 11.59 p.m. on December the 31st is like the moment of my death. The 365 days of the year are like a miniature lifetime. These final hours are like the last days in the hospital after the doctors told me the end is near. And in the last hours, the lifetime of this year passed before my eyes. I faced the inevitable question. Here's the question. Did I live it well? Will Jesus Christ, the righteous judge, say to me, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You lived a well life in 2023. I feel very fortunate that this is the way my year ended. I pray that the year's end might have the same significance for you. The reason I feel fortunate is that it's a great advantage to have a trial run at my own dying. It's a great benefit to rehearse once a year in preparation for the last scene of your life. It's a great benefit because the morning of January the 1st will find most of us still alive at the brink of a whole new lifetime able to start fresh all over again. The great thing about rehearsal is that the show you were uh, is that they show you where your weaknesses are where your preparation was faulty, and they leave you time to change and before the real play in front of a real audience. I suppose that some of you thought of dying as morbid and gloomy, so fraught with grief and pain that you do your best to keep it out of your minds, especially during holidays, and I think that's unwise, and that you do yourself a great disservice 
I've found that there are few things more revolutionizing for my life than a periodic pondering of my own death. How do you get a heart of wisdom so as to know how to best live? The psalmist answers that. You swept them away as the flood. They're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Numbering your days simply means remembering that your life is short and you're dying. Your dying will be soon. Great wisdom, great life revolutionizing wisdom comes from periodically pondering these things. The criteria of success that Paul used to measure his life was whether he kept the faith. He said, I fought a good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not to me only, but also who've loved his appearing. Let this be our test year's end. And if we discover that we did not keep the faith the past year, then we can be glad, as I am, that this year, this year in death, is probably a rehearsal. And a whole life of potential faith-keeping lies before us in the next year. How'd you end last year? Could you say, Jesus, I hear you saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Did you hear that? When 2023 died, did we hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant? If you didn't hear God say that for 2023, then you have the beginning of this year to rehearse once again for the next scene. You can start over new today. So during our invitation time, if you're within the sound of my voice, meaning if you're here in this place, or listening or watching on TV or viewing Facebook or ever how you're receiving this message, and you've never been saved, today I plead with you that you humble your heart and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior over your life. That will be your first act of sanctity for 2024 if you haven't done that yet. For the lost person, first act of sanctity, sanity is to pray and ask Christ to come into your life and save you. For the believer, today, before your time runs out, fuse burns down, as the believer, what do, you need to, what do you need to do different in 2024 that you didn't do in 2023 that you knew to do? Did God say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or has some changes need to be made in your life in 2024 where you'll hear those words at the end of 2024 if He doesn't come or call you home? So your act, my act as a believer... is to get our lives prioritized or adjusted 
to the realization that one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Not to be determined whether we're saved or lost, but to be rewarded in how we served Him while we were here on this earth. So as an unbeliever, how do you stand? Were you willing to come to your senses and trust God at the very, very beginning of this new year? As a believer, are you willing to come to your senses, evaluate your life and say, this is what I need to prioritize in order that one day as I stand before the judgment seat of God, I can hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. God's given us today to prepare for the last scene in our lives. You rehearsed it in 2023, may be for real in 2024. So you need to number your days, which simply means life is short and your dying will be soon. Greater wisdom comes when you ponder and you think on those things. So this morning, I don't know, you might want to come to the altar and pray. If, you don't, if you're unable to kneel down, just stand here. You might want to just stand where, you, where you're sitting. Or you might just want to pray in your heart, in your seat. And say, God, you've convicted me. I just came through a rehearsal of death. I'm ashamed of 2023. Today I want to trust you as Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be prepared in case you return or call me home in 2024. As a believer, you need to say, Lord, I need to reorganize some things, prioritize some things that are not right in my life. You gave me a rehearsal in 2023. You've opened my eyes to 2024. I want to make those changes. Help me make those changes as I recommit myself to you. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a time that we can come together and be challenged this morning. I thank you for Psalm 90. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you that you're a sovereign God. Thank you that you're a sympathetic God. Thank you, Lord, that we know that time, our lifespan is really relatively short here on earth. And we try to do so many things. But, Father, what we need to do is put the most important things first in our life. And that's so spiritual things. Because we know one day this, this short span of life will be over. We don't know if it'll be 80 years. We don't know if it'll be beyond that. But we do know, relatively, it's a short time. And so help us, we pray, to think and reorganize, prioritize our lives, get things straightened out with you this morning. I pray for people that will be coming forward to kneel and pray, to stand and pray, to sit and pray. But help us to make this decision today. I have decided to follow Jesus. Put you first today, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of prayer, this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.